To Die For podcast includes the spooky, scary, salacious, and sometimes psychotic. Listener discretion is advised. grumpy old lady (laughs) (laughs) and i push it the button you're not grumpy i am grumpy yay (laughs) grumpy (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that's something to be excited about but okay (laughs) yeah probably not (laughs) yay i'm grumpy love it okay uh well welcome back to to die for and uh, we are hitting episode 75. Holy smokes. I know. Look at us go. Well, I am Liza, and this is Noodles. Greetings. Oh, nothing else? Okay. That was it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there might be more, like, greetings, nope. listener land, or something. Just greetings. Nope, that's okay. all you get. That's all we get. Okay. That's all okay. they want. You're you're a little stingy today. It's fine. I ain't. <laughs> okay. You say so. All right. Well, before we jump into everything, if you could please go rate, review, subscribe, especially on iTunes. Do all those cool things. Uh, they really, really, really help. Uh, and it, you know, we aren't asking for money or anything. Just like do those things. It's easy. Go do it. Okay. So that's it. Now. We got a lot to cover, so we're going to kind of just get on into it. Like I said, episode 75, and we are almost to the end of our really unfortunately timed dive into Russia. Um, Right. Yeah. Uh, What's real weird is that when we recorded the Chikatilo episodes, Russia had not invaded Ukraine. Did I call it? You called it. Uh, And here we are. A couple weeks later. I fucking called that. I think I even was like, I want to make a point to say this. <laughs> yeah. So um, we definitely stand with Ukraine. Um, it's um, Actually, I stand I, with Ukraine. <laughs> I was going to say, I will come over there and punch you in the nuts. Okay. I actually like communism. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Anyways, yeah. So... So it's a scary time. So that's great. Great, great. So anytime. It's not scary. It's, it is, it's terrifying. Honestly. Right. Yeah. It's I like, don't what know. What the fuck's going on? Right You're now. just going to contradict everything I say today. It's, a, it's how I feel right now. I'm feeling I'm... obnoxious. Okay. Great. <laughs> Perfect. Well, on that note, uh, this week's story is definitely a bit more on the like spooky and mysterious side, not necessarily good. I mean, yeah. So... Last week, last time was that was a lot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, let's get into our spooky, ooky, really weird bullshit for this week's episode. <laughs> yes, tell me this bullshit. <laughs> I will. So yeah, it definitely falls under the weird, the creepy, the what the fuck. And it's going to take us two episodes. I don't think we've had a spooky ookie that needed two episodes, but like, here we are, and I'm excited. 
Are you going to split them up like one's the spooky, one's the ooky, or what? Uh, yeah, definitely. There you go. Okay. Uh, I am obsessed with this one, so I am super excited. Obsessed with it? I am. This one, I am... This story is just... It's bonkers. Like, and it, it makes no sense. And... Yeah, I am obsessed. Okay. So, All right. I, I'm ready to hear your obsession. Tell okay. me everything. I will tell you. Well, I won't because we don't have enough time, but I will tell you the majority of <laughs> Tell things. me half of the story. <laughs> yeah, because there is so much more that I couldn't fit in, even with two episodes. All right. So we are heading to Dyatlov Pass in Russia. So let's get spooky all up in this bitch. Russia. Russia. Yeah. I know. All right. We are going to head back to January 23rd of 1959. We are smack dab in the middle of the Cold War, and it is the dead of winter. Wow. Timely. <laughs> right? Is this a future It <laughs> a might future be, based yeah. podcast? It really is. We're, we're telling the future now. It's great. So a group of 10 students led by Igor Dyatlov set out for a trip to the Ural Mountains with their end goal of Otorten Mountain. I said this for the last two episodes. I am going to reinforce my serious lack of being able to speak Russian. <laughs> so I'm probably going to screw up pretty well. I'm sorry. I'll just say it now. I will do... My best. You know, I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to mind. I hope not. If they do, like, <laughs> fuck you. I tried, okay? I tried. All right. So the group of 10 consisted of eight went... Blah, 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 blah. Try that again. The group... Oh, yeah, it seems, like it seems like a good plan. The group of 10 consisted of eight men and two women who were almost exclusively students at the Earl Polytechnic Institute. Earl? Hmm. Earl. Anyways. Uh, they ranged in age from 20 to 24, with one exception, which was Semyon Zolotarov, who was 38. Uh, okay. Yeah. He was also the only one who wasn't a student. Uh, I guess he had been, he was going to go on this other expedition. Something happened. He kind of ended up in this one at the last minute kind of thing. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay. So, so they're, so they're like, they're students of this poly. Technical school. Yep. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and they're, they're taking a hiking trip as a group together from like as student friends or, or part of the. Uh, as class. student friends, like they're okay. all, I, I believe they're all part of like a, a hiking club or like gotcha. an outdoorsy kind of thing. Gotcha. And they were all highly experienced in outdoor activities, trekking, skiing, all those kinds of things. And they were all what's called, I guess, I don't know if it's just in Russia or here. I don't know. Uh, grade two hikers and outdoorsmen. Yeah. And yeah. That's like glacier climbing and stuff like that. Okay. And so they would be moving up to grade three upon their return, which was the highest certification available at the time in the Soviet mm. Union. So this trip is going to be pretty grueling uh, because there was a lot that you had to kind of go through in order to basically check all the boxes to, right. to get this certification. So the group took a train north, and then they traveled by truck to Vichy, which was the last inhabited settlement before entering the then-unnamed pass that led to Otorten on January oh. 27th. Seems like a good start. Not 
you know, no identifying right. Well, <laughs> identifiers to tell anybody where you're at. That's great. It's a yeah. Great start. <laughs> well, there's there's no identifiers, and um, the the incident is now named after uh, the leader of this group. So the incident. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's go forward with this. Yep. One. The Dyatlov Pass incident. Oh. Yeah. So quick side note, uh, Otorten apparently means don't go there in the language <laughs> of the Mansi people who are the indigenous people that have lived in the regions for like hundreds of years. Uh, oh. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> I wonder who came up with that name. <laughs> Right? Like, man, you probably just, like, don't go over there. It's just, it's not good. Not good. I feel like I would be that person who saw a sign that said, don't enter, and I would not enter. Like, well, I've pushed my luck so many times in the past right, that I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> it's not worth it. Not worth it. <laughs> gotten this I far. <laughs> I don't know. Today, you're feeling pretty contradictory, so. Uh, no, no. I don't think I would go in there. I don't, I don't think okay. I would. Especially um, a giant mountain in the middle of Soviet Union, Russia, in the middle yeah. of winter. Yeah. That seems like a really, really bad plan. Poor choice. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, the next day after, I guess, passing this this settlement, one of their party, who's named Yuri Yudin, who had unfortunately several pre-existing health problems, was forced to turn around and head back to basically where they had started good for him yeah <laughs> yeah they took his supplies and then evenly distributed them between the remaining members and they set out for their final destination uh, they seemed to be having a good time regardless of the harsh conditions they had taken several cameras with them um, because they really wanted to like capture every moment of their trip in order to say like you know here it is we actually did this they also right. had several diaries that they all kind of wrote in and, and everything and just took down everything that was happening. So they're taking goofy photos, they're playing music to while away the nights, and they're just kind of generally enjoying the excitement of their trip and, you know, the excitement of getting the certification that they're all really into. Hmm. Then we've made it to February 1st and the group caches their extra supplies and then plans to cross the pass and set up camp on the other side. Unfortunately, though, it seems like the weather kind of took a turn for the worst, and the group deviated from their directions and ended up west of the pass towards the top of, okay, I wrote this out, Holat Sieku. Oh, I've heard that name. Have you? I have. Oh, okay. I thought you That's were just making fun of me. <laughs> and another point is getting lost on a mountain is really easy to do, um, yeah. especially with like most mountains have their own weather system. So you think, oh, why didn't anybody just look at the forecast? Well, it can change rapidly, like in right. a matter of 30 or 40 minutes. And then yeah. like, I'm in a whiteout. I don't know where the fuck I'm, where I'm supposed to go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I don't think it, like it was, it was very little that they deviated, but it was still just enough that, you know, they, they were no off. longer on the path that they were supposed to be on. Mm. Also, by the way, this mountain is also known as Death Mountain. So, huh? I've, I've, yeah. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of warnings here. Yeah. <laughs> God, Jesus. <laughs> I believe I believe that was a name also given by the Mansi people. Now, 
one of those interpretations for Death Mountain is that they're just like a lot of things didn't grow there and there weren't a lot of like big game, that kind of thing. But mm. but no matter what, it's uh it's called Death Mountain. So mm, yeah. <laughs> So the area that they ended up setting uh, setting up their camp was rather exposed and not necessarily the best for camping. But it's thought that Dyatlov either didn't want to lose any of the altitude that they had gained, you know, because I would imagine mm. it took them quite a bit. Or he wanted to practice camping on the side of the mountain, which was one of the things that they had to do for the certification. So there mm. they camped. They, uh, they dug a shallow pit to help shelter the group from the wind and then settled in for the night with their special. They basically had like two tents that they had kind of jerry-rigged, sewn, connected together to make this kind of big long tent that would fit originally ten, but now the nine of them. Mm. Now we have to jump forward a bit to February 12th. And this was the date that Dyatlov had said that the group would turn to, uh, would return to Vichy and send a telegram back to their sports club. Now, the 12th came and went with no word, but no one really was kind of worried as it was to be expected for most groups to be a few days behind. And Yuri, the, the guy who had had to turn back, did say that they were already a couple of days behind when he left. So the 12th comes and goes and no one's really worried about it. But then the 20th came around and there was, yeah. The 12th came and went and then now it's the 20th? Now it's the 20th. Jesus. And there's still no word from the group and the families of the hikers understandably demand a rescue mission be launched. Well, yeah. Even just like a couple days on a mountain Mm -hmm. is... It's not the greatest. I mean, right. <laughs> the type of food that you, you know, cause you got to carry everything up there. Right. So the type of mm-hmm. food that you've got is all probably. And back then not, not so great, you know, freeze drying right. or whatever, or yeah, dehydration got, or whatever. You've got communist Russia, 1950s rations. Probably like MREs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, the fuck? Um, you know, and I mean, we're talking like the, a lot of it was so snowy, so bad that like they could only really travel on like skis. Skis. We're talking like cross country skiing type thing. So this is this is a trek. Hmm. It takes until February twenty sixth. So another six days from that. Jeez. Wait, when did they start again? This was they settled in uh, to the mountain on February first. Are we <laughs> a month on a mountain? Hmm. That's not good. Uh, that's an understatement. It's <laughs> not good at all. <laughs> oh my god! It's uh, this is terrifying. Uh huh. Yeah, it just gets worse. Okay. Okay. I, my mind is racing already. I oh. bet. Okay, so February twenty sixth, twenty five days later, volunteer rescuers finally find their the campsite. It is still tucked into the side of the mountain, but is somewhat damaged and covered in roughly six to seven inches of snow that was blown in by the wind. Now, Dyatlov's working flashlight was on top, like kind of attached to, I think, one of the poles and was on top. There was a pair of skis sticking up and out from the snow Hmm. um, and no hikers. 
<laughs> it's kind of giving me like PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> I climbed Rainier like a couple years. No, no, oh, that's right. I don't know how many years back, but I climbed Rainier and, you know, you go to sleep really, really late to wake up super, or you go to sleep pretty early to wake up pretty early. Right, right. Right? Like try to get up at like 2 a.m. So that you can start hiking before the sun starts melting everything. Mm-hmm. And while we were sleeping, like there was all these thumps, and we were on like we were on like the three quarter mark up to the top of this mountain, and we heard all these thumps. And, and it's it's normal for like rocks and stuff to kind of come off the mountain and hit the hit the snow. But there was like some massive thumping. Then we were like, "What's what's <laughs> happening?" <laughs> and so we we summit. We get back down. It takes like three days or whatever. Um, we get back down and I finally get back into cell range and like my phone has like 50 voicemails, like oh hundreds gosh. of, te- like a hundred texts or something. And apparently there had been another group on um, the other side of, of the mountain of the ridge called Liberty Cap and an avalanche had come down and <gasps> t- wiped out their entire group. Oh my God. And like, that was the thumping that we heard was there at night when they were sleeping, like oh an entire God. shelf of snow just came down and like decimated them. And one of the guy's names was green with an E at the end of it. Oh. And so the news was like posting this guy named, like they just posted the last names so that <gasps> nobody would know who exactly they were. And so anybody that really didn't know how to spell my last name was like trying to contact, contact me. me. Oh my God. It was horror. And we were just, you know, right. We just came down. We were like, we did it. And my mom was my, you know, my Sherpa, which means that she like, was halfway there, took took gear halfway and met me halfway, and she was like sobbing when she saw us. Oh my god! Oh man, it was terrifying. PTSD though. I hope that they didn't get taken out by an avalanche. It's probably much worse than that. That probably would have been a lot better for this group. I'm assuming. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> all right. So all of their belongings, their supplies, their food, everything's left behind in an orderly manner in the tent. There were multiple sets of footprints leading away from the tent towards the edge of a nearby wood. And when I say footprints, I mean footprints. Yeah, that's why I'm weird. That's what's strange about it. Like you're saying that there was like six or seven feet of or inches of snow over the entire camp, but then but then there's footprints. Like what? Well, so okay, so I I read or I saw I guess when you have um snow like the or so okay so the trying to think of the best way to explain it when you um when you make footprints i guess in like the snow and it gets like really dense and condensed right it actually makes a footprint above the snow when like the wind will come and blow away the loose snow and just leave the condensed footprint weird yeah, it's very weird. So I guess I haven't the, ever the, seen footprints after a time, right? Like you go, you go up, and then you you don't look back. You know, <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, right. So I don't yeah, know. and and usually you you know your your foot goes down into the snow, and that's what it compacts you see. it and everything. Weird, but yeah. So I guess it it actually compacts it under there, and then the winds kind of picked up the loose stuff around it um, and blew it away. Oh, I see what you're saying. You see, yeah, sorry. I, I was like, I don't, I'm not saying this correctly. I see what you're saying. So it like, yeah, 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 yeah. So it eroded everything but the compacted footprint that was yes. left. Understood. Yes, that's okay. what I'm trying to say. So yeah, so there's these multiple footprints and I legit mean footprints. All of the prints seem to be 
are almost exclusively the prints seem to be have made by people wearing like only oh, socks. I know. I know this. Or a shoe or is. like no shoes at all. I know what this is. Oh no. All I right. don't know the story. I just know that that's a common symptom of something I know about. Ah, okay. Oh no. <laughs> So at this point, they kind of have little hope of finding the group alive. Um, We are talking a month later, all their supplies are there, and they seem to have walked off with no shoes, that kind of thing. Can I ask one question? Of course. What elevation are we at? That I did not write down. I know it's up pretty high, um, but I would have to look it up. I can, though, if you would like. No, it's all right. I just... Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The the rescue or the volunteer rescuers are kind of like, yeah, we're probably going to go back, regroup, and wait for additional help, which was also, um, there was like a detective and some kind of more professional people showing up as opposed to just some volunteers from the school. right. So the next day, February 27th, their worst fears were confirmed. At the edge of the woods, about 500 yards from camp, beneath a tree, they they found the remains of a small campfire and the remains of Yuri Doroshenko and Yuri Krivonichenko. There were originally three Yuris on this trip. Oh, understood. (laughs) Yes. So... It looks as if one of them or someone may have climbed part of the way up the tree. There are several thoughts as to why this is, either to break off the lower branches to use for kindling, or possibly to try and get a higher ground to try to find the direction of their camp again. Or some people think that they were trying to escape something and climbed up well, only so only one of them got up there. Well, so neither one of them were there. Were actually in the trees, but it, there were a bunch of broken off lower branches of the tree, kind of like where they were found. Mm. I would assume it's kindling, right? Because they have a fire. You would think, so. yeah, but I guess there was also kind of like some like wood scattered around. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm just interesting. There are a lot of thoughts about kind of every piece of this so i'm just kind of throwing them out there okay gotcha both were found in basically nothing much besides like their long john underwear Mm -hmm. and yuri d had burns on his foot and temple and gray foam coming out of his mouth uh that was on his right cheek which I guess is a common symptom or not symptom, um, something that commonly happens from like something pushing against your chest cavity. Really? I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Yuri K also had some serious burns to his foot and he had bitten off a piece of his own knuckle and they found it in his mouth. (laughs) The look on your face right now. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. My and initial it, thought yes. is that they got altitude sickness. Mm-hmm. And there's a thing called it's not it's hype um yeah, hypo hypothermic um 
when you get hypothermia, you you like at some stage you start to feel like you're hot. really really hot, mm-hmm. and so you start taking off layers, mm-hmm. and they're like people are like, no, keep your layers on. Like, right, that's we need to get you off this mountain. <laughs> but right. if they didn't know how to get down, then that would yeah. make sense. So there is oh. some thoughts that that could possibly be it, but then there's also some thoughts that um, the clothes kind of made their way to the other people as um as they died yeah but that doesn't really explain why they left the tent with no shoes in the first place so they're murderers maybe no (laughs) we don't know they could all right they could be they could all right well after this they then found the next three hikers basically partway back to the camp from the trees where they had found Yuri D and Yuri K. Mm-hmm. They found Igor Dyatlov first. Uh he was mostly dressed but without shoes and he was like almost hugging a a tree branch and he was face down in the snow. Zenaida Kologoriva lay nearby in a position that looked like she had been kind of like trying to scramble back uphill. Um, So probably, you know, like. Right. Like kind of crouched. Yeah. Maybe like, like she couldn't get her footing or something. Right. Not real sure. Uh, She had a long bright red bruise on the right side of her torso that looked almost like it had been made by like a baton that kind of damage oh jesus she was wearing more layers than any of the others so far but she was also shoeless and really not dressed for full-on russian winter so yeah so she's wearing the most clothing but but has a bruise weird it has a bruise still shoeless and not and still not like fully you know not like wearing like their ski pants the jacket that's she's just wearing more clothes hmm she had probably been given some of the clothes that was worn by either or both of the Yuris after they died. So it's thought that they probably died first. And then they decided the next three decided to take some of their clothes. They wouldn't need them. Okay. So yeah, just trying to keep warm maybe. Exactly. So hmm. now uh, those, that was all on February 27th. It so takes, a, is that four of them? uh four of the nine uh sorry yes four because uh, then on march 5th they found the third um hiker and that was the body of i think i mistyped that i think it's rostam slobodin hmm. he also was found wearing even more clothing uh than any of the previous four and his watch had stopped at eight forty-five a.m Now, he was found with a fractured skull and no definitive answer as to how he got it. So wait, so there wasn't like any blunt force trauma to that, like to him, except that he had a fractured skull? Yeah, the the damage they said seemed basically like he had fallen over and over again, which could make sense if you're, you know, maybe stumbling or, you know, as you're freezing, that kind of stuff. But he just kind of like repeatedly hit his head every single time, which doesn't make sense. If you're falling and stumbling, you're not going to fall down and land on your head every time. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty I, true. I mean, it's, 
I mean, some strange hand- things happen when you get that, like when you get like there's yeah. a thing called being snow, like with with uh, elevation sickness. Like a woman that we were hiking with went completely blind, like temporarily blind. Oh, like the snow blindness? Or no, no, no. Oh. Like something happened that where she, she wasn't snow blind, but she got like um, just some elevation weird. sickness, and then something something weird tweaked in her head, and like oh my gosh, she went temporarily. We had to like escort her down blind. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's there. I, you know, so maybe, maybe, you know, maybe. I don't think that that's probably what happened. I mean, right. You know, but hitting the same spot, you know. Yeah, just kind of over and over again <laughs> until you fracture your skull. Um. Ugh. So yeah, regardless of any of the kind of slightly weird things about these five victims, all were determined to have died by her- hypothermia. Oh. Okay. Now, due to having to wait for the snow to melt, it took about two more months before they were able to find the last four hikers. And when they were found, shit goes from, like, kind of weird to, like, really fucking weird. Hmm. (laughs) So, on May 4th, the uh, remaining four were found in a den in a ravine another 82 yards away from where the tree was. A den? What is that? Like, uh, I mean, I know what a den is. Like, in right. A house, so whatever. like they were down in this ravine and I think they had almost kind of tried to create a shelter, like kind of oh, carved gotcha. like out like, or something like almost kind of carved out of the snow, like a den oh, kind of oh, thing. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, it's there's there's some stuff that's a little hard just because of like the translation stuff and like things being redacted and suppressed okay, gotcha, and gotcha. you know so so there's a few things that I'm not like one thousand percent sure on but um, but they were down in this den in this ravine there had there was like a I don't know if it was like a creek or there was some running water that was kind of going along through here as well uh, but these four were buried under thirteen feet of snow which is part of why it had taken them so long to find them. 13 feet? Yes. Sounds like an avalanche. (laughs) Well, let's find out. Well, we don't actually find out. Anyways, Nikolai. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Not yet, at least. Uh, So Nikolai, uh, he's got a French last name, Thibault Brignol was dressed quite well and he actually had shoes on which suggested that he might possibly have been outside when whatever happened happened um whereas you know that made them leave the tent that maybe he was already out there don't Mm. know he had a massive fracture to his skull that the coroner determined was not caused by an accidental fall on a rock or anything like that as it would not have given the needed force, uh, the force needed to cause that kind of damage to his skull. So they're like, okay, what? I don't know how you can determine if it's an if it's not an accident or, an, or is an accident, right? Like some well, things so, are weird, like rocks coming out of nowhere. Right, but I don't believe, well, and I mean, maybe he moved some afterwards, but I don't think there was any like large... Um, you know, like rocks near him or anything that had like blood on it, that kind of thing that would give the idea that maybe that was what had happened. Gotcha. They just basically were like, he couldn't have like slipped and fallen on a rock and gotten enough momentum. Right. To that kind of thing. Gotcha. So his death was uh, ruled as uh, a fatal skull injury, which makes Mm. sense. 
So then next up was Alexander Kolevitov, who was also dressed in a good number of layers, but was missing his hat and shoes. And also his sweater and jacket were unfastened, which was, you know, kind of weird as you would be wanting to conserve body heat. Well, I don't all of them not having shoes is the weirdest thing. Right. Like, if you want to conserve body heat, you keep your feet right. warm and your head warm. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> the things you want to try and right well and that's i mean that's something that like i know as a like i don't hike i don't camp i don't like i don't do those things and like i know that and these guys were like highly skilled highly trained you know hikers trekkers that kind of thing like you right. would know that the first thing you would need is your shoes i mean the one thing i can think of maybe is you know at a certain point of hiking in the snow when you're glacier climbing or, or you're just even just long treks, I mean, the blood does go out of your extremities first, right? So your hands right. and your feet. And so oftentimes you can't feel them, you know? You're right. Just, you're just like. Now they did, ha- I mean, they did have the, um, a, like an oven that they had with them and that they had set up that they could put in the tent. They like kind of built this chimney out of it oh, so that, okay. so that they, so they, they were able to warm up oh, good. Um, the that night though they had not had it seems like they either hadn't had a chance to set up the stove yet or they had decided not to because i think it was kind of heavy and bulky and stuff so they might have decided to go without right. but it but in general they did have a way of kind of thawing out in between well, days. that's at least nice i mean yes <laughs> tiny from freezing is the worst well, five of them so far have. <laughs> um, so we think one I had blunt trauma. Uh, yeah. Well, no, because the original five, uh, the so the first five were all hypothermia. Uh, out of the last four, the first one had the fatal skull injury. Right. Um, uh, right. Didn't that, yes. the, the, didn't the, in the first five one of them had a skull injury as well? Yes. Yeah, but he they determined um they still listed his cause of death as hypothermia even mm. though he had a fractured skull. Something to well, okay, I'll just say this. Um common thing that is a little bit confusing with um medical re- examiner reports is that the cause of death that's listed is you have to j- legitimately list what the cause of death was. Mm-hmm. However, they do, that doesn't mean that they list uh, very compounded variables. Right. What in, like they have to list exactly what caused the death at the right. end of their life. You know, so it's like if somebody overdoses on drugs, it's not listed as an overdose; it's listed as cardiac arrest. Right. <laughs> you know, so, right. So, so we don't know if you know something else happened. Exactly, but. But officially, they said hypothermia. Hypothermia, yeah. Yes. So Alexander, his jacket and his sweater were unfastened, which is weird. But then what's even weirder is that the waistband of his sweater and the lower parts of his pants would test positive for radioactivity. Like what? Like like a lot of radioactivity? (laughs) Like definitely more than a normal amount that you would expect. Oh, shit. Fucking mm-hmm. Russians are dumping radioact- radioactive material in the fucking mountains. Who knows? Oh, no. So he was found with a wound behind his ear. He was missing the soft tissue around his eyes. 
He was missing his eyebrows. And he had skull bone that was exposed, as well as a, quote, deformed neck, which I believe was like, I think they're trying to explain like almost like a twisted neck, similar to what you would kind of see with like if someone snaps their neck. That's weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Radioactivity, radioactive material is Mm -hmm. they've been in radioactive material. It's on on them. So they have in it, but only him, but only him. And he's either been scalped by something like hitting him or he's torn a hole in his own head Mm -hmm. and he's lost all the tissue around his eyes. Yes. His cause of death was deemed hypothermia. (laughs) Right. See what I'm saying? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> i never listen to like <laughs> medical examiner's reports anymore i'm just like yeah okay yeah so so is weird this Russia, is this like the russian russian medical examiners being like yeah that was hypothermia <laughs> yeah right we're just gonna kind of just sweep gonna, that yeah. shit under the rug radioactivity radioactive material yeah there's nothing about? we don't know what it's you're talking about <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, so Semyon Zolotarov was actually found dressed quite warmly, and he had a camera around his neck, which either he had the presence of mind to grab it as they were leaving, or I guess potentially had it on his neck when they left. Hmm. It does seem like melting water damaged a lot of the film, but some of it was able to be processed. It unfortunately doesn't really seem to point in the direction of what happens, but there is a lot of uh, photos from this trip and of the folks. Jeez, haunting. Uh, yeah, it's really hard to not get really like attached to these these kids, not kids, but these like students and stuff like that, because there's just so much about them. Um, obviously, I couldn't dive super deep into it because of time, but. But yeah, it's it's really eerie to see them like goofing off and, you know, having fun and doing all these things and know that they're a couple of days away from this. You know, as a climber, it's very interesting to me how the process goes with climbing. I mean, you've got really great friends. You've, you've developed, you know, uh, a really strong bond with these grueling tasks and accomplishing these these goals. But when you're really faced with a really difficult thing for yourself and and your fellows are struggling, the quickness of that camaraderie mm-hmm. is that at which it dissipates is very, very fast. <laughs> you know, and it's it is a struggle to keep um to keep your wits about you and to also just wanna be able to like be empathetic to somebody else's how they're feeling, you know, if you're cold and you're tired and you're hungry and it's hard to get outside of yourself <laughs> to right. think about others. So it's like, I wonder how, how it must've been horrible. Yeah. They went through. I, I can't just imagine. mentally, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. all of it mentally, physically, all of this is just in- awful. 
Oh, so Simeon was found basically spooned up against uh, Alexander. You know, I'm assuming trying to conserve body heat, that kind of thing. He had a pen in one hand and a notepad in the other. I don't believe that there was anything on it, or if it was, it had been damaged by the running water. Mm. He was found with an open wound on the right side of his head with the skull exposed. He also had no eyes and his chest was flattened. Five of his ribs had been broken and there were two fracture lines along the right side, but there was no damage to the soft tissue of the chests or like basically on the outside. There was no trauma visible on the outside of his body. Right. I, when you started talking about that, like describing that, I was like, maybe a, maybe a bear, you know, but then I'm like, oh, oh it would have eaten them. Right. So not a bear. <laughs> okay. Well, and there, remember from Death Mountain, there's not a lot of big game. Not a lot of game there, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, so massive, massive damage, but no external damage. And so doctors actually compared the force necessary to, ca- to cause this kind of damage to that that you would get in, like, a car crash going at least 30 miles per hour. Hmm. What the fuck? But, but, but he's spooning. Mm-hmm. So like, is he in the, is he the big spoon or the little spoon? I think he was the big spoon, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. Well, either way. I mean, if you've had massive trauma like that and then now you're spooning to try and stay warm, like that means that he didn't immediately die from it. Yeah. Or it happened afterward. Right, yeah. But I would assume it happened before, and then they're like, oh, shit, you're really hurt. Like, okay, let's conserve energy, because you can't move. Yeah, it's... (sighs) Oh, jeez. So his cause of death was severe chest trauma, which is legit. (laughs) Makes sense. So last up was Ludmila Dubinina, and she also was dressed somewhat warmly, but without shoes. And her, they also found radiation on her. Now, her body, this is so weird, and the picture of it is, like, so sad. Her body was found on her knees with her face and chest pressed up against a rock. So, like, she's literally kind of, like, up on her knees, and it's almost, it's almost like she was, like... Like laying her head down almost on this this rock, but she's up on her knees. And she was found with missing eyes and tongue, a broken nose, massive hemorrhage in the heart's right atrium, and also a flattened chest. Four ribs were broken on the right side along two fracture lines and six ribs on the left. And again, there was no damage to the soft tissue or anything visible on the outside of her body. I am so confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, this would require an insane amount of force to create this kind of damage. And it's thought that she likely only lasted maybe 10 minutes or so after receiving these, wa- these wounds. Part of me really start is starting to think that maybe there was an avalanche, you know, mm-hmm. and like some of them were like major trauma and others didn't get caught in the avalanche, but still didn't have the gear necessary or something. I don't know. 
Uh, right. I don't know. It's weird. It's fucking weird. Right? Weird is just the like weird too, and yeah, uh, yeah, weird and kind of spooky and kind of creepy. Because like, what the fuck? But uh, let's let's get even more weird. Oh jeez. Because yeah, that's that's we're gonna do that. So when when they are at the tent, the the rescuers and the investigators, they are thinking they're going to get some answers, but instead they just got more weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would have hoped that the tent would have had some answers too, but what the hell? Uh, yeah, no, but I think it definitely gave them some more questions. All of their valuables and personal effects were still there. The temps that night were in the negative 13 to negative 22 degree Fahrenheit range with a storm blowing. And like we've said before, these were all highly skilled people. Now, it seems like the entire group left the tent several hours after eating their last meal. And instead of leaving out of the entrance of the tent they cut themselves out of the back of the tent and then in an organized pretty much single file line they left into the storm without their clothes rations or tools they would need to survive this decision but the, some of them had clothes i mean yes but no one was but fully dressed but not the necessary dressed. items for all of them to survive yeah and they cut themselves out of the tent this is like a this is like a scary movie. I know, right? I'm certain there, there's probably a movie built on this. I would imagine so. Like, it, it was some, like, they just happened to, like, stop on, like, a massive radiation site, and <laughs> they all kind of got weird after a couple of them were digging, the, you know, a hole to poop in and got into the radiation and then they all got weird and then they, like, started listening to these coal eaters and what the fuck's right? going on it's, here? <laughs> it's, I think that is one of the, regardless of any of it, I think that is one of the creepiest things to me is that they literally... Like single file thing. like Well, like, that they cut themselves out of the tent. Like, huh. I don't know why, but that just... Ugh, okay. The single file thing is weird too. Yes, they like like and and the, all of them. Well, okay, we're thinking about it. It's funny that you say that because whenever I hear like that a group of people has decided to do something, you know, like that one episode that we did where all of them are like drinking, you know, doing the poison and stuff. Oh, uh huh. Right. I'm always like, oh yeah, everyone's on board with it, and they're just it's like a super seamless process. I'm no, I'm certain there are many people yeah. that are like, <laughs> fuck no, and then they just get like super convinced or guilt, you know, shamed or whatever into doing it. Eventually, they do it. So right. who knows? Yeah. I'm certain some of those hikers are like, fuck no, I'm not going out there. Like, right. It's crazy. But for some reason, they, they all did. did. They all did. Um. So authorities initially decided that the local people who were the Mansi that we had talked about must have killed the group because, you know, let's always blame the indigenous people. I mean, it's not a bad, you know. Right. Um, except that they were like really 
a peaceful group and the hikers had actually stopped and spent some time with them and had like everyone had mm. good things to say about everyone so they they find absolutely no evidence to support this and they also come to the conclusion that there was no human there there wasn't a way that a human could have exerted the force necessary for the wounds that were found on the three of the four last victims oh interesting so yeah i mean it's the amount of force needed from like a 30 mile per hour car crash. See, when gonna... I thought, yeah, when I thought you said that, I thought you were, you were indicating that it, it wasn't an organic natural occurrence, but it, w- it would have been considered maliciously in, in, you know, inflicted, inflicted by a human. If, if that was the right. direction they were going, but now, it, now it doesn't seem like that. Right. Because a human could not, have done what that. the heck right and two of them two of them have these similar three well so two of them had the oh you're right three yeah because the yeah. one guy at the tree yeah um had the had the gray stuff right the well gray... oh yeah so there was the gray stuff like someone squeezing your um your chest but no there was the two that had the crushed chests and then the i thought there was only three or two with crushed, and then one with a third press with the gold, with the with the. There was stuff. that, but then so then the other one was I think Nikolai who had the like massive fracture. Um, well, right, right, right. Okay, so he was so not the guy who the falling over and over again. Um, this guy was the one that had the like massive um, right. fracture the, to his skull with the eyes, the eye tissue gun. Yeah, not the so, eyes gun, but the eye tissue. Yeah. Right. So so all four of those or all three of those they're like, yeah, this is a lot of damage. freaking damage, but in particular those two with the chest, they're like this this makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, to have one be that way and be like, uh oh, maybe something like really freak accident happened, but right. to have two that's weird. Yes. So, so then, of course, they drop this theory, but then to add insult to injury, they then ask the Mansi people for help to find the last group. Oh. Which they did. They were lovely. And I think it was actually largely because of them. And I guess they have, um, uh, like sled dog kind of things. They, their dogs Mm. were able to help track. So it was largely in part, like to them, that they were able to find most of them. But it's just it's just such a dick move. Like you guys did it. Oh, I guess you guys didn't do it. But like, could you help us? I mean, it's a it's a it's a. I think as an investigator, it's a good thing to ask. You know, if, I guess yeah. If there are people who know the land, and maybe right. you know, I would assume, and you can't figure out what the fuck happened here, right? Like I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'd think it. Okay. I wouldn't well, ask for their help afterward. <laughs> That's just fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Like come on. So yeah, so eventually the authorities declared that all of them uh, suffered death due to compelling natural force, and the inquest was closed in May of 1959. What the hell does that even mean? Compelling natural force? Mm-hmm. I'm looking that up. Okay. Oh. Okay, death by natural causes. Mm-hmm. Is what it means. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I did, I thought it was something else like well they're just something something in nature yeah for hmm. some something natural somehow 
killed Some, them all. Yeah, and took off their eyelids and fractured their skulls. Forced, yeah, and crushed their chests and forced them out of their tent in a snowstorm. What yeah. in the fuck? And so, yeah, if that doesn't seem to answer all of your questions, <laughs> you aren't the only one. Good. And that's where we're going to stop for today. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> God, you're such a blue balls. I know. I'm a blue balls. I- you're a blue balls. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Yes. <laughs> Good job. Good job with the insults there. <laughs> I've, I've been working on them in the mirror. <laughs> I'm proud of you. You're a blue ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a blue ball. But just one. Just Uh one. one. All right. Well, uh, next week, we will be back for all of the theories, natural and otherwise, as to what may have happened to cause this tragedy. Ah, that is weird. Right? Do you see now why I'm, like, obsessed? So here's something that's interesting. I'm just looking at natural. The majority of states recognize five manners of death. Natural cause. As mentioned before, a natural death is one that occurs as a result of aging process or disease. Okay. Okay. Homicide, we know. Um, Accident, a death is considered to be an accident when fatal outcome was unintentional and there is no evidence that the injuries occurred with the intent to harm. So I would have assumed it would have been accident, accidental death, right? Mm -hmm. Or even just the undetermined. So it's natural homicide, accident, suicide, undetermined. I would have assumed either accident or undetermined. Right. Not natural. Well, I would imagine, and this is just kind of speculating based on all the stuff, that we're still talking very heavily into Cold War Soviet Russia. Okay. That's what I was going to say next. Is it like red tape political jargon trying to cover it up? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, yeah. What's the name of this? Dyatlov Pass, uh, or it's D Y A T L O V. I will say, just kind of beware if you are looking at photos and such. There are a lot of not you. You don't care oh. for the oh, general so, okay, gotcha. for the general public. Um, there are a lot of po- uh, pictures of them as they were found and kind of like. Oh, there's Post- pictures of them as they're like alive. Yeah, that's what I was telling you. Oh they- my god, they look so nice and normal. Right. They they were taking copious amounts of photos to to document their trip so that they could get the certification. So basically kind of up to the point of them of whatever happened happened. Have you seen these photos? Yes. I mean, there's one guy Who's like, st- how they found him is like straight up and down with his head in the snow. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. Like, you f- just find a guy with his head buried in the snow and his feet up to the air. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like, he's planking. What the fuck? Yeah. It's. <sighs> I. It just, none of it, none of it makes sense. There is nothing about any of this that makes sense. And. I, I'm obsessed because I want it to make sense and it doesn't. So yeah. So if you, uh, if you want to hear about the theories and potential 
ideas, thoughts, anything, come on back next week. And uh, hopefully you don't get a bunch of nightmares. I don't know. Hopefully the PTSD for you, Noodles, is not too bad. That is a very sad frowny face. Well, I mean, you know, when you climb with people, like, they're really good friends. And so it's like, I can only imagine that they were trying their hardest to keep everyone alive. Right. But, you know, when you start to realize that somebody's not going to survive, it's like, okay, good gotta gotta let you go it's just it's just hard with so many of them there was nine of them yeah you know that's a lot of death over however a month let's say well i mean let's be optimistic they They probably they were what let's say that they were 12 days in everything was going fine oh for the for the whole trip well, no, no. Before oh. something went south. Right, right. Yeah, no. They they departed. I think the twenty third of January, like all of kind of the last inhabited um, location on mm. the twenty third of January, and the first of February was when they they set up camp on the side of the mountain. Gotcha. And in all likelihood, they were probably gone that same night. Or early the mor- next morning. No joke. Yeah. Really? You think? Yeah. Because they, you know, they set up and... I just saw all their ages. 23, 21, 20, 23, 24, 22, 23, 23, 38, and 21. Yep. Yeah. They were all really gifted, really brilliant. Like, they were all, like, engineering students and stuff like that. Like, everyone, like, real popular. It was... It, yeah, it was a devastating blow. I mean, it's a devastating blow no matter what, but but yeah. I mean, are we certain that they were all gifted in climbing? Yeah, they had all they had all reached their level 2 certification. Mm. So, they they had gone on multiple trips. One of them, I think it was I think it was Ludmila to just kind of show like kind of, I mean, we're talking like hardy Russian youth kind of thing but like she she had gone on a on a different expedition at some point and somehow one of her other like the people in her group accidentally shot her in the leg what yeah and on this other (sighs) this other expedition and apparently uh they so they obviously had to like carry her out like on a you know uh right Slide uh, or something. Something, yeah. And I guess she was just like making jokes and just like, you know, making everyone laugh and like trying to put them at ease the whole time. Like right. they, you know, they just so yeah. Oh geez. I can see the tent now that they cut themselves out of. You're right. right. They just like Yeah, there's there's something about that having to like there there's an entrance there's literally an entrance like why did you not go out the entrance why were you so scared or whatever you were that you took a knife and slashed a hole into your right you know into the thing that was keeping you alive basically here's what's really weird i just saw this this picture of this guy who went and geo located where where that tent was uh-huh and he started doing excavation at the site and he he's found old pieces of wood used to prop up their tent Ugh. still so, in the ice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. 
Yeah, it is It is so creepy, so weird. None of it makes sense. I mean, there's um, plenty of bodies still on Rainier. Cause yeah. There's a thing, you know, what What do you call it? Um, there's, a, there's an elevation that's called it's something to do with death. You, you, it's like the, the, there's a, it's either called the death ring or the death height or something um, where like the, the air is so thin that even a helicopter that was going to rescue you wouldn't be able to mm. get enough lift to get up there and get you off. Oh, wow. And so when you go there, you're pretty much signing away your life if you get right. really hurt up there. Right. <laughs> so I know that's, that's like, um, like the really is it Everest? Like the the like really? Uh, are you thinking K two? No, I th- I think it's Everest. I don't. Anyways, it's one. Everest of them. is huge. You know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So with like yeah, and like all the Sherpas and the you know blah blah blah. Right, right, right. And like I've I've heard that there are some people or that there are actually like bodies that are used for checkpoints. Oh yeah. Like that is terrifying. Yeah. Like even on Rainier, there are bodies. That is, that is fucking, yeah, I can't, I, not yeah, for me, yeah. not for me. It's weird though. Cause when you're climbing, you, you're so physically in shape, you've learned everything that you possibly, I mean, you, I mean, at least if you're, you're, um, not an idiot, not an idiot. Right. <laughs> like, and, and you really are trying to do your best. You've got a team, you've got the gear, you've got the know-how, you've got the, you know, camaraderie. And so you don't, and, and you just don't think anything bad's going to happen. Right. Right. You're just like, yeah, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. But well. that's not how it went. Jeez Louise. Uh, so yeah. So if you want to hear uh, some of the ideas of what may have happened to this poor group, come back next week. And on that note, uh, I will say goodbye from me. Avita say. <laughs> No. Is it Avidasen? It's Das Vidanya, but No, no, I was <laughs> saying it in German. Oh, okay. We're well we're in Russia, so I know, but I don't want to speak Russian right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well on that note, goodbye. Thanks for listening. You can check out our website at to die If you'd like to follow us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at To Die For Podcast, as well as our fluffy fam on Instagram at To Die For Podcast underscore fluffy fam. If you'd like to send us an email, to die for podcast at gmail.com. Cover art is thanks to Joelle Haight, and original music was created by Vincent Amston. Have a spooky day.